This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Callender. A lot to talk about and just want to say Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, 2018 is here and we have had quite a bit to talk about in the world of sports today. A lot of exciting action that went on. Uh, I mean, you know, this is coming off of the heels of an incredible Rose Bowl. The first Rose Bowl to ever go into OT between uh, Georgia and uh, Oklahoma, I mean, just an insane game to talk about. Uh, so uh, we're 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 gonna hold off on that for now because uh, we got a, quite a bit of NFL to dive into as well. So uh, let's get right down to it. Let's start things off with the Giants. It's been a rough year, guys. But what can you say? There was literally nothing on the line here with the exception of the number two overall pick that the Giants jeopardized by actually if they actually won this game I mean let's be fair here no one wanted to play this game the Redskins were clearly disinterested the Giants weren't that interested either but a couple of guys had performance bonuses uh, in their mind Orleans Darkwell had a roster bonus if he averaged four yards a carry in this game. Uh, and uh, uh, if uh, if he gained over 200 yards, that was another bonus. Guess what? Orleans Darkwell had his best game of the year with 154 yards on 20 carries. Highlighted by a 75-yard touchdown route to cap off the game. I mean, you know, did I know that at the start? If I had, I probably would have played Darkwell over Goldman. Uh, in some DFS lineups, but I mean, D- Gallman had a nice game with 15 carries for 89 yards. Again, the Redskins' defense was non-existent. No one wanted to make a tackle. It's freezing cold. Uh, I mean, again, n- nothing to talk about here. I mean, the Giants win the game 18-10, to but this was literally the most checked out I've ever seen Kirk Cousins in a game. Uh, th- Literally, there, there was nothing. I mean, Eli wasn't good. Uh, 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 I mean, not that he had much to throw to. Eli was 10 of 28 for 132 yards. Uh, Cousins himself. Uh, I mean, literally, he he was under pressure all day. But Cousins did himself no favors, uh, you know, in this game. Uh, for the most part, I mean, Cousins is probably gone from Washington if you... Uh, look at the uh, dynamic of uh, quarterbacks available in free agency and potential landing spots and the fact that Washington has not offered him a long-term deal. Uh, just real, realistically, uh, the Giants won this game uh, for the fans, but, I mean, you know, for the fans who stood out there and froze their asses off, I mean, God bless you, but... And, Literally, I, I I can't even say anything else about this recap because this game was so unforgettable. I mean, it was so forgettable, rather. There was nothing to talk about. Now, for the game that time forgot. Cowboys-Eagles. Let's highlight this. Eagles had already wrapped up the number one seed, so 
uh, Nick Foles uh, was scheduled to only play one quarter. Guess what? He still stunk. Uh, you know, the Eagles are in a tailspin right now. The offense is in shambles since uh, the Carson Wentz injury. Nick Foles still has yet to grasp what they actually do well. I told you this before. Nick Foles is a drop-back quarterback. He can pass it down the seam. The Eagles' offense has not adjusted to this fact. They're still trying to do uh, some of these RPO uh, uh, plays uh, for Foles, and it's just not working. I mean, if the Eagles wanted to run the same offense with Carson Wentz, then they should have signed Kaepernick. There's no other way of saying this. This is just a waste of everyone's time. This game was 0-0, and it almost headed into the fourth quarter scoreless. I don't know what Dallas is doing, to be perfectly frank. Uh, you know, Zeke and uh, Dak were playing today. There's no point. I, I mean, it, it, what was the point of this game? I mean, the, the Cowboys were already eliminated, and they were still trying to feed uh, Zeke the ball. I mean, the Cowboys ran the ball. They couldn't throw. I mean, no one was interested in playing this game. This is another forgettable game. I'm not even going to finish off the cabinet. Other than to say the Cowboys won 6-0 because they scored a touchdown and missed the extra point. Uh, that basically sums up this game. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's all there is to be said about that. So, moving on. Another early game that stunk. Man, this is a tough highlight to get through. Uh, I mean, the Lions and Packers put on another one of these lousy games. Although the Lions won multiple people lots of money in D uh, DFS lineups. Uh, if you stack uh, Stafford and uh, Kenny Galladay uh, in Golden Tate. I mean, from the outset, Green Bay just, again, there was just so much going on. Ted Thompson stepping out as GM for the Packers, and it was long overdue because that team that they put out on Sunday was inexcusable. Uh, you know, they made the Lions look like a million bucks. The Lions are terrible offensively. Everyone on the Lions is getting fired. Uh, you know, they finished 9-7. and They scored 27 points in a row. They won the game 31-11. But, I mean, Green Bay was just awful. Uh, nothing, uh, nothing to deal with. I mean, they they, they had no uh, defensive pressure from Green Bay. They could do whatever they wanted in that game. Uh, you know, for the most part, uh, Stafford had a couple of big throws, but uh, again, just a lousy day from Green Bay. Uh, from the most part, uh, you had Gontate with 104 yards and a touchdown. Kenny Galladay had a big day with over 100 yards. Stafford threw for over three bills. That was a good performance for the Lions. Just meant nothing. Uh, moving on. Uh, you got... Yeah, we got the Colts going over the Texans. Pagano's gone. Uh, Bill O'Brien may be back because Rick Smith is uh, unfortunately dealing with a personal situation. Uh, but that may be to the Texans' best interest because Smith... Again, has been classroom with O'Brien, uh, so maybe that that uh, situation sorts itself out. But uh, nothing to speak of in these early games. Uh, Frank Gore uh, actually made it into the top five rushing all time for the NFL, and of course, the NFL being the cruel sport it is, uh, Gore goes down with an injury uh, in the meantime after uh, making the run to go over uh, fifteen thousand yards for his career. So. He makes it into the top five, and then he gets injured on the same play. Go figure. Uh, outside of that, realistically, nothing in this game mattered. Uh, again, that's why a lot of these games were going on early, but there was really nothing interesting going on, to say the least, uh, out of these matchups. So, got to move on here. Bears-Vikings. Uh... I mean, what can you say? Vikings had already uh, locked up uh, uh, essentially a their uh, first round by uh, just because they were kind of pigeonholed to number two seed. I mean, they just needed to take care of business against the Bears, which they did. Uh, just, uh, you know, the Bears had nothing to offer them. John Fox is gone. 
at, at the end of this game, not surprisingly. Uh, the Bears just don't have an offense outside of running the ball with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. They should be better than this. But, again, they don't have any wide receivers to kind of uh, move the ball. I mean, uh, the Bears moved the ball uh, with Dontrell Lindman only because Xavier Rhodes got injured for a couple of plays. But, again, Dontrell Lindman only had 74 yards. Uh, there was just a lot of just bad play in the early games. Again, the Bears' defense kept a minute, but, you know, Minnesota pulled away. I mean, again, not much to speak of with these games, uh, but uh, it is what it is. Moving on, Pats against the Jets. Uh, Pats already locked everything down. Uh, the only question in this game was, would the Jets cover the 16.5 point spread? And, uh, you know, of course the answer was no. Uh, the Patriots dominated the Jets from the get-go. The Jets were a mess offensively. Bryce Petty, 19-36 for 232. But uh, it's just uh, not good football. I mean, for the most part, you really didn't see much from the Jets. Uh, I know Matt Forte was limited and couldn't go, but, you know, the Jets, even though Todd Bowles is coming back next year, I don't see positive signs from the Jets next year until they get the quarterback situation uh, figured out. I mean, Christian Hackenberg should have been playing in this game. Bryce Petty has nothing to offer you from an uh, upside perspective. There's nothing there. And yet, still, Christian Hackenberg isn't getting reps. I don't get it. Unless Christian Hackenberg is that bad that he can't play a game of football without endangering himself, the Jets need to get someone in the draft again next year, which is ridiculous considering how many draft picks they spent in the last three years alone. But they're going to have to do it again because Hackenberg clearly can't play, and so they wasted a second-round pick. Uh, you know, Tom Brady spread the ball around to everyone but Gronk. Gronk was double-teaming the entire game. So he gets the Immaculate Donut and ends his season with 69 catches, which he knew because he laughed about it after the game. Moving on. Uh, you got the a matchup with, oh yes, the Steelers and Browns. Oh, God. You know, I was saving this rant for later on, but I might as well do it now. The Browns had every opportunity to win this football game. The Browns had a chance to avoid going 0-16. And I know I gave, away, I gave away the lead there, but this is just so pathetic and frustrating. I mean, the Steelers rested everyone. Landry Jones, who is by far not an average NFL backup. He's one of the worst backups in the league. And yet still, the Browns let him throw the ball all over the place on him. Uh, it's it's embarrassing. Juju Smith-Schuster had nine uh, catches and had 143 yards and a touchdown. He also had a 96-yard kick return touchdown where basically no one touched him on the Browns. The, pa the, the kick coverage was terrible. I mean, there are so many things wrong with the, the Browns that I, I, I can't even go into all the details of what went wrong for the Browns on Sunday, but I can say this. Sean Kaiser, I don't think he's actually improved at all in his rookie years at NFL QB, and that's a scary sign because the same mistakes I see from the Sean Kaiser from week three, I see it in week 17. It's inexcusable. Mismanagement of the clock, turning the ball over in his own end and when his team is driving. There were just so many things that were wrong with uh, what Sean Kaiser did on Sunday that, again, I look at the Browns and I'm saying the Browns actually need to draft another QB in the first round next year. Uh, well, for this upcoming draft, rather. It, there's just no getting around it. it. You need to actually take another high draft round pick if you're the Browns and push Kaiser because he is not getting it and you can't risk take the risk that he won't get it because, I mean, you're 1-31 over the last two years. Come on. This is ridiculous. 
I mean, this is a, this is an actual professional football league, and the Browns, by all measures, have failed in its capacity to put out a competitive product for its fans. There's no way that roster uh, should be going 0 and 16. None. I mean, they were competitive in some some games, but the those drastic flaws that I see with this team just lapses in concentration. No special teams unit. A quarterback who can't decide make up his mind, and no veteran backup to actually help guide him along and get him squared away. Brock Osweiler, even though he's not an NFL. Uh, uh, quality NFL QB probably could have helped in this process at least, but I mean, you could have signed anything. It's frustrating watching the Browns because there there are semblances of a team in there, but it's just so poorly managed that the Browns are just a complete dysfunction of a NFL franchise. And I pity anyone going there as a draft pick, but. They have to draft a QB again in the first round next year. And normally I wouldn't say that, but Kaiser has to be pushed. There's no getting around it. Anyway, moving on. We're going to get into the afternoon games now that the Browns ended up being 0-16. So, in terms of scenarios, you had uh, Baltimore with a win and get in scenario. The Titans had a win against Jacksonville uh, to put themselves into the playoffs. And then you had teams like the Chargers and the Bills needing significant help to get in. Uh, Seattle needed help. Uh, Atlanta was in a winning get-in situation, so we'll move on from there. One game that did not factor into this was the Rams and 49ers. Uh, the Rams already locked in. Rest of their starters. Jimmy G, again, showed why this is going to be a team to look out for next year because uh, Garoppolo, you know, again, I still think that if he actually had a, a chance to get reps in the beginning of the year and get traded, the 49ers might have actually put on an 8-8 eight and eight or even better season than this. They might have actually had a shot at the playoffs. That's how uh, good Garoppolo was overall. Uh, Garoppolo went 10 of 13 against the Blitz. Uh, uh, so he had 140 yards and a touchdown against the Blitz. Uh, you know, you're seeing signs that he can make the hot read. You know, again, he threw a pick. Uh, but, you know, solid game overall. 260 uh, total yards, two touchdowns, a pick. But, again, solid performance. And he's using what meager tools he has in terms of receivers because... Most of his receivers were banged up. Uh, Mark, uh, Marquise Goodwin got hurt with a concussion and uh, didn't, uh, early in the game didn't come back. But, you know, if you're looking at this, uh, just a lot of uh, a lot of uh, good things you saw out of 49ers. Uh, if uh, the Rams were just kind of uh, holding, uh, treading water for the most part, they didn't do too much because they were trying to save their guys for a game, but uh, 49ers ended up winning it uh, 34-13. Uh, Eric Reed had a big day for the 49ers. Uh, he's going to be a free agent at the year. Talked about uh, just uh, the anthem protest possibly hurting him in terms of his free agency. Uh, you know, it it's moronic that he we're actually in this situation that we are talking about the anthem protest hurting guys because Eric Reed's a Pro Bowl uh, safety. This should be a non-issue with him uh, getting a job in the league next year. Uh, it really shouldn't be an issue. Moving on uh, to games that still didn't matter. You had the Chiefs and the Broncos. Uh, Chiefs uh, playing uh, Patrick Mahomes, their rookie first-round pick. Uh, resting most of their starters. Uh, one guy who wasn't resting was Kareem Hunt because Kareem Hunt... Uh, was uh, competing with Alvin Kamara for the uh, the rookie offensive record, and uh, uh, we had a duel between the two of them today. Yeah, so Kareem Hunt had uh, 35 yards and a touchdown before Reed quickly got him out of there. Uh, I mean, basically no one else on the Chiefs were, uh, was playing today. So the offense actually went through Albert Wilson and Demarcus Robinson. Uh, Albert Wilson, though, 
had a monster day. 10 catches, 147 receiving yards. I thought Demarcus Robinson was actually going to get a, a little bit more of a look, uh, but uh, it turned out to be Wilson uh, getting a lot of the burn today. Uh, the Broncos also uh, just kind of ditching this season had uh, Paxton Lynch in that quarterback just you know another game where it was just it had a very much of a preseason feel to it uh, not much went on mercifully Kansas City was able to close this game out with a last minute field goal uh, so the game didn't go into overtime so KC uh, uh, won the game 27-24 but again uh, just one of those games where it's just like uh, blah kind of game. Uh, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, uh, it, the people who were watching this game had some uh, daily fantasy aspect to it because uh, Wilson definitely made people money uh, with uh, being the feature of the uh, Chiefs offense today. So that's something that does not happen often for him. Uh, but if you're on the uh, Broncos side of things, uh, basically, the uh, uh, takeaway is Vance Joseph is coming back to coach the team next year. So it seems uh, John Elway made the announcement, posted on Twitter of all places as well to make sure that people knew that uh, Vance Joseph was coming back. The fan base was noticeably not impressed with uh, Elway, uh, Elway's decision to retain Joseph. But the, again, uh Elway basically kind of backed himself into a corner by not going after Kyle Shanahan. And in terms of uh, coaching candidates, it's a lot of retread. So, again, not something that he's interested in doing considering he just signed Vance Joseph. So, he'd have to pay him out and bring someone else on. So, uh, Joseph gets to survive another year. Uh, Next game up... uh, you had the Chargers uh, trying to stay alive in the playoff chase against uh, the Raiders. Uh, you know, the Raiders uh, really didn't have much to offer here. Uh, the Chargers uh, put it on them early and often. Uh, Rivers uh, had a uh, pretty uh, decent day uh, throwing the football. Uh, in terms of uh, overall numbers, uh, Keenan Allen was the... Uh, big performer of the day. Because uh, uh, Rivers threw for three touchdowns. Uh, almost had 400 yards pat, uh, passing, actually. But Keenan Allen had 12 catches, 133 receiving yards and a touchdown. Uh, actually broke uh, LaDainian Tomlinson's uh, record with uh, uh, one of his last catches. So uh, he ended up ended up uh, breaking LaDainian Tomlinson's a single season record for receptions at uh, with 103 uh, catches, so uh, edged out LT uh, Ladanian there. Uh, but you know, uh, again, the Raiders really did not offer up much. Uh, if you look at all the defensive metrics for the Raiders, you see why Jack Del Rio got fired immediately after the game. Uh, just a mess of a season for the Raiders. But you can't be that surprised because. The Raiders weren't that good on defense last year. A lot of this just had to do with uh, their offense being able to bail them out. But uh, once that kind of went uh, by the wayside, uh, you kind of saw uh, just the overall uh, issues with the team just uh, come to fruition. And uh, it just uh, bore itself out that uh, uh, Del Rio was gone. Now, the talk of it is that John Gruden's coming back uh, to coach the Raiders. Now, uh, I want to get into this uh, bit here because, uh, you know, John Gruden's been out of the game for just over uh, 10 years now. And the talk is is that Gruden's also going to have a partial ownership stake in the Raiders. This is the reason why I actually think this uh, Gruden story is legit now because Gruden's been putting out feelers of, uh, getting back into the coaching for at least five years now. And so every renewal of VSPM was always kind of a tenuous situation because he could bolt at any time, it seemed, uh, just because teams were interested. And he's very good, has very good media connections, uh, yet still in uh, football. So, uh, you know, John Gruden's been a kind of a whale. 
uh, looked like Tampa Bay was looking to hire Gruden as well. Uh, so they announced that they were keeping Dirk Cutter as their head coach because, again, not that many candidates this year. There was McVay last year and Shanahan uh, that were the young, up-and-coming uh, uh, coordinators that people were looking to sign. Uh, this year, not as many uh, potential candidates that people view as breakout. So uh, you're seeing teams uh, be a little bit more conservative in terms of who they're going after. But going back to the Gruden situation, Gruden's going to be getting uh, ownership stake apparently. So the only reason why this news hasn't been finalized yet uh, is not because of their working on salary and everything. It's the fact that the league, uh, uh, the Raiders themselves have to figure out ways around league rules on uh, the Rooney rule, which requires them to interview minority candidates. Now, the issue with this is that fact that they already have the guy in mind. So you've got a bunch of token interviews. So this is what subverts the actual spirit of the Rooney rule, which was that uh, the league ended up being a little bit too much of an old boys club in terms of how... Uh, hirings were being handled and not much seems to have changed because again you're having uh, decisions already being made and now you're trying to find a way of circumventing the league this should be one of those situations where Roger Goodell steps in and just says hey uh, you gotta go through a, a true process not have these token interviews but again Roger Goodell has squandered so much goodwill with uh, various owners that he's scared of his own shadow when trying to police other teams outside of the Cowboys because he's a fear that they're going to side with Jerry Jones. Hence the reason why uh, they kind of did it behind the scenes with uh, handling Jerry Richardson's uh, 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 sexual misconduct allegations. Uh, uh, well, not the sexual, but more uh, uh, misconduct allegations uh, uh, internally as a team owner uh, rather than just outright... Uh, 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 stating that uh, he can't sell the team until the investigation is completed. But, uh, again, uh, Goodell should be stepping in on just the subversion of uh, the Rooney rule by multiple teams. But it's just one of those things that he's uh, been silent on, and I'm not surprised. So, uh, well, and it just went final that Alabama has beaten Clemson, so I'll get into that a bit later. Uh, but it is set that uh, Alabama will be facing off against Georgia uh, in the college football playoff final next Monday. Uh, so it's uh, going to be all SEC, which I'm sure will uh, annoy multiple people. But uh, I, the biggest team that has uh, should have a gripe with it is uh, University of Central Florida because they just beat out uh, they just beat Auburn today. Uh, and Auburn was coming off of the heels of beating both uh, Georgia and uh, Alabama uh, in back-to-back weeks. Lost the title game uh, to Georgia uh, when they were banged up. They were actually healthy today, and UCF, uh, despite the fact that uh, Auburn took control of the game in the third quarter, came back and won that game outright. I mean, that was a definitive win. So UCF is the only undefeated team uh, left in college football, and they didn't get a chance to uh, play in the playoffs. So they're the team that has a true legitimate gripe, not Ohio State. But uh, I know the Buckeye fans are uh, going to be squawking uh, uh, about uh, the unfair treatment of uh, the college football playoff board. Anyway, uh, going to move on to uh, the next game here. So this game actually did have realistic expectations. So... Falcons-Panthers. Uh, Falcons absolutely needed to win this game to get in. Uh, otherwise, they would have had to rely on Seattle losing uh, to back their way into the playoffs. So, uh, just a big day for the Falcons. Uh, and, uh, you know, playing at home, they they had everything that they needed to get the job done here. They just needed to execute. Uh, Matt Ryan, not great, but... You know, did what he needed to do. Uh, 28 45 for 317 and a touchdown, but didn't turn the ball over. Uh, big, uh, big that they didn't turn the ball over and try to win the turnover battle. Uh, in terms of other uh, plays uh, that came up from this one, uh, Devonta Freeman had a really good day, uh, 
moving the football. Uh, I mean, in terms of uh, uh, what he did, I mean, he had uh, uh, 85 receiving yards uh, to go along with a couple of touches of the rock. So he was over 100 total yards for the day. Uh, you know, just kept moving the chains because, again, it was a grind with uh, uh, with Julio. I mean, Julio had five catches for uh, 80 yards, uh, but he was targeted 11 times. They were trying to get him the ball, and they still can't figure out a way of getting him the ball in situations. So this game kind of dragged on where uh, uh, basically the Falcons were kind of grinding away, uh, trying to put, a, put away a Carolina team that really didn't put anything out on the table. I mean, Cam Newton struggled mightily uh, throwing the football. I mean, uh, Cam, uh, I believe Cam was under... Uh, 200 yards. Yeah, he was 14-34 for a buck 80 and a touchdown. But he threw three picks. I mean, Cam was uh, played about as poorly a game of football as he's played all year uh, for the Panthers, and it showed. I mean, again, I give Falcons full credit for their defense and how they prepared uh, for the Panthers, but Cam just was not on. And you can tell uh, with Cam Newton uh, because he doesn't really track well with games if you get my drift. Uh, you could tell if Cam's going to have a good day or a bad day pretty much by the first five minutes of the game uh, because he doesn't really have a great track record of getting uh, self-correcting during the game. So if he's not truly engaged in the game or if he's getting frustrated, he kind of ends up getting himself uh, uh, taking it taking it out of his own and just... Uh, not refocusing on what he's doing well. He tends to get uh, kind of negative in terms of overall body language and execution. So uh, that happened again Sunday. Uh, the Falcons, again, took it, but it was just not an impressive showing at all by Carolina. And it's something that they're going to have to work on uh, quickly because, uh, uh, you know, even though they still made it into the playoffs, uh, I still have my reservations with uh Carolina because uh, again it's not an easy matchup uh, that they have with uh, 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 New Orleans uh, because uh, you know we'll we'll get into that in a bit but uh, uh, I'm I'm not as sold on Carolina as a lot of other uh, folks are. Moving things over to the AFC side, you had the Titans win and get in. Uh, to do that, they'd have to go over Jacksonville, who said they were going to kind of rest their starters, but not really. Uh, I mean, so Blake Bortles played. Blake Bortles played horribly. Uh, Blake Bortles was pretty much ineffective. 15-34, buck 58. Uh, no touchdowns, and he threw two picks. Leonard Fournette had 19, uh, 19 carries and 69 yards rushing. Uh, but he also led the team in receiving yards, which is not a good sign when you're the running back and leading the team in receiving yards. It means you're not getting the ball down the field. Uh, He had four catches and 67 receiving yards. Uh, Just a lot of punts in this game Uh, because Marcus Mariota wasn't any good. 12 of 21, 134 yards uh, throwing, a touchdown, but he also uh, had a bad exchange with Derrick Henry fumbled the ball and the Jags uh, returned it for a touchdown I mean that was really uh, the only offense the Jags had the Jags uh, lost the game uh, 15-10 and that was after getting a defensive touchdown the Jags were terrible Uh, again I could bag on the Jags some more and Blake Bortles not being an NFL QB but you know it's a bit redundant uh, Tennessee is not a playoff team. They made the playoffs because they had one of the weakest schedules in the league, and the AFC South was a joke. Uh, but, you know, they made the playoffs. But, man, I, I just look at this as, like, you, if you could have scripted an easier matchup for the Chiefs uh, in the first round uh, for the wild card uh, to go through. Uh, they don't match up well with the Chiefs. With the Chiefs uh, do well. Uh, stopping the run is what Tennessee likes to do is just try to pound you with the football. I mean, DeMarco Murray still has an MCL tear. Uh, 
you know, they're going to try to get him ready for the playoffs, but, uh, I mean, it's an MCL tear. It's, he's not going to be the same. And Derrick Henry, you know, didn't really do much on Sunday to generate any faith of uh, production uh, coming out of the run game significantly against the Kansas City front seven. Uh, I, I look at this matchup and I'm just saying that Kansas City got the exact matchup they wanted. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll go into uh, how some of the other games played out because that's what <laughs> that's what ended up tilting this. So uh, without much further ado, we'll keep, keep things uh, moving along. Uh, so, uh, uh, over on the NFC side, you had, uh, Seattle ended up, uh, being moot because, uh, Atlanta won. They needed Atlanta to lose, but they didn't know it at the time. Uh, and they were at home playing Arizona. Should be straightforward for the Seattle Seahawks, but given the Seahawks season, this game turned out to be the exact same thing that's wrong with Seattle. Uh, Arizona was on them from the jump. Uh, they couldn't block for Russell Wilson. He's running for his life. Uh, Jimmy Graham disappeared from the offense again. Uh, Wilson was 18 to 29 for 221, two touchdowns. Uh, both touchdown catches went to Doug Baldwin, who only had four catches for 90 yards. I mean, you know, from a fantasy perspective, the, uh, the two touchdowns are great, but. I mean, Doug Baldwin should be more involved in this offense. And the reason being is that Russell Wilson is running uh, with his head cut off. And, yeah, the Sandlot stuff works at times. But then there were games like Sunday where they needed to have a set game plan. And they couldn't execute it to save their lives. Uh, Just a rough day in the office for Seattle. Uh, Arizona, meanwhile... Drew Stanton was terrible. Uh, 15-34 for a buck, 50, uh, buck, 40, uh, buck 45. One touchdown, one pick. Uh, Kerwin Williams, 23 carries for 75 yards. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald had eight receptions. I mean, Arizona didn't do anything on offense to light the world on fire. This is about Arizona's defense shutting down Seattle and winning the field position battle. Uh, I mean, again, they took a... Took advantage of short fields to uh, uh, put, uh, get the uh, get things moving along. Uh, you had Seattle make a comeback at the end, uh, where they were up 24-23, but Arizona drove down the field and got the game-winning field goal to win 26-24. Uh, the game actually ended up being the swan song for Bruce Arians, the Cardinals head coach, who announced that he was stepping away from the game. I don't fully believe he's going to retire until it's officially that he's retiring. It looks like he's trying to take a sabbatical and maybe reassess. But my thing with uh, with Arizona is that uh, that roster is so old, you know, it's going to take a coach to actually do a teardown of that team. And I just don't think uh, Bruce Arians had that fire to go through that process. So uh, I think he just kind of did the sabbatical. And we'll see what he does next year. I think he goes into the broadcast booth for at least a year and then uh, reassess. So we'll see how that goes. Moving on. We, uh, yeah, so moving on. We had uh, Tampa and New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans could have improved their uh, playoff position by guaranteeing the number three seed. They were locked out of getting a bye based off of uh, Minnesota's victory, so they knew that much. Uh, just needed to put away Tampa. They're on the road. Tampa actually showed up for this game, uh, which, you know, again, true to form for Tampa, you know, you're scratching your head because you can't figure out what Tampa Bay team is going to show up. Uh, but, uh, you know, James Winston uh, was not great. He wasn't absolutely terrible either. Uh, you know, he had uh, a couple of great throws down the stretch, but most uh, most parts of this game, you're like just uh, want to tear your hair out watching 
James Winston quarterback because even though he threw for over 300 yards, he threw three awful interceptions today. So, uh, I mean, uh, Sunday, uh, you know, he, he threw uh, one touchdown. But, I mean, the picks he threw, they were high, they were late. There were so many things wrong with uh, some of the turnovers that James Winston made that, you know, you kind of look at it from the standpoint of uh, he's got to be better in terms of just his decision making, and in term until he actually improves upon that, uh, he, he, the bugs aren't going anywhere. Uh, in terms of uh, the Saints, this one was a bit of a perplexing game because, again, the Saints could have guaranteed that they didn't face the Falcons by not winning this game. But it looked like the Saints were trying to win this game. So I'm a little bit torn as to what happened here. Because, uh, again, uh, the Saints uh, looked like they were going after this game. Uh, Drew Brees, uh, kind of pedestrian day. But it, it looked as though uh, they were focusing on the run game anyway. But uh, they weren't really running the same uh, uh, same uh, running plays with the same ferocity, I should say. Uh, that they were hitting gaps with. So... It looked like they were trying to preserve the line without going too crazy in this game. And that's what allowed Tampa to kind of hang around. But, uh, you know, uh, you got to give Tampa credit. They they hung in there. Winston made a couple of throws, including the backbreaker touchdown pass uh, to win the game 31-24. Uh, but uh, it just, it's a weird dynamic because I, I, you know, I don't want to say that the Saints tanked that game. But they definitely went at that game with about 70% effort, even though they were playing their starters. Uh, it seemed like Sean Payton was trying to keep his cards close to his vest by not uh, going too hard after that one. Uh, so uh, they avoid the Falcons. Uh, so y- y- you have a matchup of Falcons-Rams. So the Saints end up playing uh, Tampa. I mean, end up playing uh, Carolina instead of the Falcons. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a better matchup or a worse matchup for the Saints. Just because you had two uh, NFC South rivals. So, uh, you take your pick. Uh, you know, I, I look at it and I'm saying uh, I would rather play uh, Matt Ryan than Cam Newton. But, uh, you know, it is what it is for the Saints. Uh, uh, Carolina's run defense is better than Atlanta's. So, again, it, it kind of makes it a bit of an interesting uh, dynamic uh, in terms of uh, the uh, the matchup uh, Sunday. Because, uh, again, uh, you know, there's there's uh, certain things that uh, Carolina does that I think would make that a very tight game. So, I'm not quite sure... Uh, what the rationale was for uh, the way the Saints approached Sunday, but I think they kind of made a mistake. So, getting to the two most uh, pivotal matchups, I should say, uh, on the uh, Sunday card was because there's no Sunday night football because they were trying to make sure that uh, the ratings didn't take for New Year's. No matter what the NFL says, that was a New Year's rating decision, not worrying about competitive balance but anyway uh the bills uh managed to hold on for a 22-16 victory over the dolphins uh the bills were uh in control of that throughout the dolphins made a late charge to try to win the game and steal it uh you had a big injury with uh LeSean mccoy going down with an ankle injury uh no further updates yet as to if he's going to be available for uh, uh, the playoff game, but uh, we'll get into how the Bills got into the playoffs because, you know, again, all the Ravens had to do was beat the Bengals. This game should have been done and dusted. Instead, the Ravens' offense just committed some of the worst turnovers you'll see, and the, the Bengals were up big. I mean, uh, uh, the Bengals had a uh, two-score lead and made a three-score game. The Ravens had to rally back to take the lead uh, on the, in this one. And the Ravens were up 27-24. They just needed to stop 
the Bengals on their last drive. And they they were almost there. It was fourth down and 12. And, you know, all game, the Ravens have been playing man-to-man defense. And instead of just sticking to what they were doing best, uh, I mean, this is just going to go down in uh, just in history as one of the worst calls just because of the end result. But, like, the rationale didn't make any sense in terms of what they were trying to do. It's not what they're good at. They drop into a deep uh, deep cover zone, so deep two, two, so both safeties are playing back. So Dean Pease calls this play, and uh, you know where I'm going at with this. Uh, disaster happens. And disaster came in the way of Tyler Boyd, who runs a sub-4, 3-speed, uh, basically it was at 4-2 at the Combine. Uh, Boyd settles into uh, the zone, which was a basically a prevent defense. I mean, the 4th and 12 is going to go down in the same panels as 4th and 26 does for Packers fans when we're ca- counting uh, the NFC uh, uh, playoff game against uh, the Eagles uh, 12 years ago. It, it's just as devastating. I mean... Tyler Boyd hits the seam, and it's a brilliant throw by Dalton. I mean, Dalton, uh, for all of his quirks as a QB, uh, can hit that slant route with the best of them. Uh, hits uh, Boyd in stride. Bo- uh, you know, Boyd goes the rest of the way. Uh, you know, avoids tackles. Goes 49 yards for the game-winning touchdown. And knocks Baltimore out of the playoffs, basically. Uh you know, again, I look at this and I say to myself, why do teams change it up uh, with works from defensively? A.J. Green was not beating them over the top with the defense that they had in place. Man-to-man was working, safety over the top. You know, worst case scenario, he catches above the guy's head. But again, uh, you know, with the play call that they made, they didn't even need divine intervention or... Uh, anything else it was just a good football play and you know just a way too soft coverage you know bend and don't break in high pressure situations like that usually leads to a break because you're assuming that everyone's going to be on the same page if a play breaks down Tyler Boyd just kind of waited it out and then hit the seam on uh that play uh, if you look at the highlights on sports center he waits for the moment uh, sits on it and then flashes to speed. And once he got into full acceleration, because there's no defender within 10 yards of him, uh, that made it easy for him because he got to top speed and all these defenders were on their back heels trying to uh, readjust themselves and they couldn't. And they ended up giving up the game winning touchdown. So, again, that ended up knocking them out of the playoffs. And allowed the Buffalo Bills to end the longest playoff drought in North American sports at uh, 17 plus years. And got the Bills into the playoffs. And, you know, I knocked the Bills repeatedly on this podcast because of the Nathan Peterman decision. And so there was some revisionist history going on with the analysts saying that uh, the benching actually caused Tyrod Taylor to refocus and uh, play better down the stretch. To me, Tyrod Taylor was playing well in the beginning of the year, too. It's just that he had no weapons. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Buffalo's probably going to get eliminated because they just don't have anything to offer uh, in terms of uh, uh, an attack. I mean, if Shady's hurt, uh, you know, they're really limited in terms of... uh, uh, quality running backs. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, they had a guy drafted, and you know, he basically ate himself out of the league. But um, yeah, I kind of look at this and I say I'm happy for the Bills and their fans. I just don't know what uh, to kind of peg uh, that matchup against the Jaguars as, other than you got to control line of scrimmage. And I know that's a rudimentary analysis, but if Buffalo can run the ball against Jacksonville's front uh, and force Jacksonville to 
have no help over the top on receivers, then you got a chance because you can get A.J. Green involved. But it requires you to, I mean, not A.J. Green. Uh, it, it, it can get um, uh, Kelvin Benjamin involved. But, it, you know, again, end of the day, they have to figure out ways of uh, just uh, getting some offense going on this team. And, you know, until they do that, uh, you know, they're going to be a significant uh, underdog to the Jags on the road. And, you know, again, Blake Bortles is not an NFL QB in my opinion, but he is going to be favored in this game because of that defense. So as long as Blake Bortles doesn't turn the ball over, Jacksonville should win that game just because the Bills are limited in terms of their offensive options. Uh, which was their own uh, fault to begin with, uh, since they were t- uh, kind of playing for this uh, season to be a rebuilding year, uh, and got gifted with a playoff run because the Ravens couldn't take care of business. So uh, that sums up the NFL. I'll go into further detail on the lines and everything else as we approach uh, the wild card weekend this week. So I want to get into college football, so uh, we're going to make that transition and they'll also talk a little bit about the winter classic uh uh today with uh the rangers and sabers so uh more to come uh on the podcast talked about position in all of sports the quarterback and now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field celebrity qb featuring four-time super bowl champion coach charlie weiss unlike other football shows you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks like is this the year tom brady finally looks his age will dating danica patrick distract aaron Rodgers? i mean he's dating danica patrick charlie we're interested in that you know well i mean tommy's got giselle i'll I'll take giselle okay (laughs) is dak prescott good enough to win a super bowl for the cowboys which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018 how about intellectually charlie as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now the game has changed but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.